Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We got Rudo and Mangan here in studio and AJ in Studio C coming to you live, answering some listener questions today. Uh, some other news did happen with the Carlson trade and Matt Dumba getting signed, but we might save that for Tuesday's show since we've got a lot of questions to get to here today. Uh, Let's, I mean, are you guys ready? Do you guys just want to dive into questions or you got anything else? We should, uh, we should probably mention that this is going to be our new start time for the pod for the next couple of weeks. A fair point. Uh, we will, we will go back, I, I think, uh, to our regularly scheduled time slot at the end of August, but for the month of August, uh, to accommodate some in season teams, we are, we are going to be going this time of day. Yep. Tell all your friends, 1045 Mountain, the new start time. I'm sure the East Coast people will love it because we hit their lunchtime now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll go back, but then September we'll be doing shows after training camp happens. So who knows what our time right, is. Right, that might. could be really different. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be a little all over the place. But for the month of August, this is the new start time. Tell all your friends, come watch us live. Maybe they couldn't have watched us at our old time. They can watch now. Uh, okay. I'm, I mean, I'm ready to jump in. We got quite a few questions, so thank you to, to everybody on Twitter who hooked all of that up. Um, are, are we ready? Okay, there's like a big echo maybe. Hard to tell. Yep. Uh, I'm going to keep going and assume things will get sorted out. We got our first question that comes from AvsFan12695, who asks, one or two moves that led to the dark times of the 2010s, not including retirements or lasting impacts? The thing is, I actually think a lot of the moves the Avs made were pretty good in this era. Like... They traded Wolski at his peak. He was never as good as he was in Colorado. Kind of the same thing with Chris Stewart. Their actual like trade moves all made a ton of sense. They just never built a very good team. And and some of this is like multifaceted where they didn't draft particularly well outside of pretty much Duchesne and over the 2009 class. Basically they didn't draft super well. Um, and yeah, I beyond that, they got stuck in the middle where just 
leading into the 2010s, Sackick was playing out the end of his career. In the early 2010s, Hayduke was kind of playing out his career. I don't. It felt like a team that never really fully committed to a rebuild, but I'll let you guys answer as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a team that did not have any star talent anymore. Um, you know, they had a they had a pretty good player like Paul Stasny. Um, ironically, they drafted quite well through 2000 and about 20. I guess 2009, they were drafting pretty well beyond the first round. A bunch of guys that they had uh, drafted actually ended up um, having long careers. Um, But they didn't really get the, the, a lot of those guys just ended up as role players, you know, middle of the lineup or bottom of the lineup guys that were able to hang in the league for a long time. They didn't, they didn't have any stars. Um, really out of Paul Stasny was their best non like, like best player, uh, that actually played for them. You know, there's lots of guys like Tom Gilbert and Johnny Boychuk, you know, guys that had really good long careers, didn't do anything in Colorado because they got traded, uh, before, before they really got the chance. Um, and so I think it was really just, they, they just, the star talent was, was severely lacking in Colorado. Uh, and and their development back then was pretty was pretty fine, um, but it was it was just that they didn't have any of that the the high end guys. They were hemorrhaging assets because they were still going for it absolutely all the time. Um, and the way that they ended up, what what you know, to, in trying to make the most of Milan Hedyuk and Joe Sakic is a totally fine approach to it. Um, and then when when he retired, 2009 was supposed to kind of usher that era in, and it, it, it like that that transition into okay, well we're going to try and rebuild, we're going to do whatever you know, and it kind of did with Paul Stasny, Matt Duchesne, Ryan O'Reilly, and Tyson Berry as building blocks, and you know Berry would come a few years later, of course, but those were those were really good building blocks for a new era because your center depth was great. Um, and, and, you know, 2011, you had Gabe Landeskog, you get your leader plus a high end wing that you can build around. Like it really should have been better than it was. Um, it, it, they were never able to get any kind of defensive depth. Uh, they had a young goaltender in his, uh, that they acquired in, in his very early in his twenties in Varlamov that had a, that had a really solid run in Colorado. Like they had all the pieces there. It was really, it, it was not one or two moves. It just, it just wasn't, um, they, they just never really got that like game breaking talent. And as we've learned in Matt Duchesne's career, he's a really good hockey player. He's a really good NHL player, but if that's your best player, you're not good enough. I think there was growing pains too, with a cultural shift when the likes of Hayduke and foot and Sackick moved on and the new younger generation was ushered in. We think back to a season where Jagir was reprimanding the team for being eager to go to Vegas. And that is a team that still had the likes of Landeskog. And so I think the cultural shift that was inevitably to follow was something that took time to build with some of those young players and why perhaps even with a young Duchesne and O'Reilly and Stasny as budding talents, the culture just hadn't quite shifted to what they would need to achieve success down the line. Yeah, I... (laughs) 
it kind of expanding on the the Matthew Shane thing, right? It it was a organization that just never hitched itself to the right wagons, I would say. Even going back to like if your top guys are Duchesne, before that you have Svatos and Volsky, who are good players, or at least for a short time were good players. And realistically, at least in Wolski's case, Chris Stewart, I think another good example, were good players in Colorado. And the Avs did a good job of actually trading them before they fell off a cliff. But those guys can't be your best players for you to really be competitive at a playoff caliber level. And it, it, it is a bit weird because, like AJ said, they had good center depth. It's just they failed to build around it in any meaningful way. And it left them drafting Nathan McKinnon in 13-14. And you know the whole Patrick Waugh era if you're a more recent hockey fan. So I wonder how things would have been different for Peter Mueller if he had yeah. stayed healthy, too. He was yeah. someone that I had hope around, but obviously health wasn't on his side. A guy who came in and actually did have an immediate impact until his head exploded, unfortunately. I have to say the same thing about Joey Hishon, too. You know, Fair. Yeah. Was a Colorado first-round pick and was in the midst of a giant breakout when yep. uh, in Owen Sound when he um, got that concussion from Braden McNabb that changed the course of his life. A lot of injuries like that, not head related but thomas fleischman and his blood clotting in his lungs and stuff a lot of things like that along the way that hurt the abs too uh i think that that more or less covers that question i I know we didn't answer it directly because it's kind of hard to there's a whole lot of combination of things more than just one or two moves uh but the next question one i think we've probably answered before but we can answer again if you all were running the Department of Player Safety, what is the first thing you would change? They say it's uh, about punishing the result of hits and not just the hit themselves. Uh, we Certainly for AJ and I, we've long said, look, if you want to get head hits out of the game, every time someone gets a head hit, five games minimum. Make the suspension worth thinking about instead of a fine or one game where it's just not that big of a deal to these guys. If you want people to stop doing it five games, maybe more, maybe 10 games, they'll say, Hey, this is a serious punishment. We need to do a better job of not hitting people in the head. It's where I'm at, but Megan, I'm sure you have some thoughts as well. I think you know where I stand on this topic. (laughs) I'm all for incentivizing accountability intent or not. I think that, There is more ownership that could be taken in play, even when it's happening fast. And even when players don't intend to injure a player with a hit to the head or contact to the head, I think that it would motivate players to be more aware on the ice where they're at in any given situation if they know that there is a consequence that is going to be implemented each time. That is just consistently applied across the board. I think it'll change the way that players conduct themselves on the ice, but also I think players will also be more protective of of themselves as well as a result of that. I understand that has real consequences from a business standpoint if star players are are getting penalized and taken out of games, but... It has a consequence on the other end if they're getting hit in the head and taken out of games. That's exactly how I feel. You you just want to protect the safety of the players and their longevity in the league, and that comes with getting a little more serious about player safety. Yep. Uh, 
yeah, I I really do think that one's pretty straightforward. It, it it's easy to see how the Jeff Carter hit on Kale McCarr doesn't happen when there's a a bigger thing looming there because Carter controls his body a little bit better because he knows that a five game suspension could be coming his way if he lets his elbows flare like that. So don't think that one's all that complicated. But uh, next one, I already know AJ's answer to this. So I want to go to Megan first, but uh, comes from Bob who asks, why are waffles far superior to pancakes? (laughs) (laughs) First of all, do you even agree with that statement, Megan? I feel like they're each respectively elite. Like I want each in different situations. There would be moments where I would want a waffle over a pancake, but the opposite is also true. And I think it comes down to toppings with waffles and the little pockets that they have built in to put lots of toppings on them. (laughs) And then with pancakes, you can put things inside of the batter like bananas or chocolate chips. I'm sure you can do this with waffles, too. But that's just what I associate with pancakes and why I would maybe gravitate toward a pancake in that situation. Okay, well, you're both wrong. French toast is better than both of them. I like French toast. But I don't agree. The little powdered sugar on some French toast, get the syrup on there. Oh, yes. That's that's better than both. All right. How am I the one with diabetes? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> don't I'm going to put powdered sugar and syrup? What's don't wrong worry. with you? I'm that's pre-diabetic. Give me a couple more years. The type 2 My will kick God, in. God, man. <laughs> no, um, I, honestly, this is—I this, think this is a really obnoxious conversation. Just because <laughs> I say that pan- because I say pancakes are my favorite, it's somehow a slight. <laughs> P- because people hear people hear pancakes are my favorite. AJ must not like waffles, and it's like waffles are amazing. Waffles are great. Pancakes are are great. French toast is great. Crepes are wannabes. They're still tasty, but they're wannabes. But they're all—they're all like there's a time and a place. You know, they're all they all have elite qualities. And that's that's the real uh, truth of it is that <laughs> this is a this is a pick your poison kind of thing. They're okay. all delicious. I, pancakes just happen to be my favorite. <laughs> I, I really don't think you can go wrong with breakfast in general, to be honest. Even like cereal for dinner. Delicious. All right. Hard to miss. Uh, one more okay. here. R- Rudo only says that because he gets out of bed at 4 p.m. I got out of bed today. What time is it? Yeah, welcome to a new world, buddy. <laughs> uh, one more question here for this segment coming from Lisa. She's new to the podcast. I'd love to hear, one, how we each got into podcasting, and two, how or who is your favorite Avs player, past or current? Uh, my favorite Av of all time is Peter Forsberg. He's the reason that I fell in love with hockey. I I feel like there's not an interesting story about how I got into podcasting. Uh, I started covering the abs on YouTube by myself. And the inevitable next step in covering the team was to join up with other people and start talking about them on a podcast. It's kind of that simple. Favorite players? I also liked Peter Forsberg. A good choice. AJ's going to say, uh, well, moving on. Yeah, with life. My, my, mine was Patrick. Well, <laughs> already knew that. Uh, anyway, 
thank you for watching, Lisa, and welcome to the welcome. show. Yeah. Hope you enjoy. I, I will. I will also say I don't know if, if that will last though because. I derive an awful lot of joy from watching <laughs> Kale McCarr play hockey. Kale McCarr is pretty good. He he is, uh, I, I just in terms of uh, getting to watch the Avalanche every day, he's a dreamboat. So uh, let me let me expand on this. Let me ask you this: Does Kale McCarr have the opportunity to become the best Av of all time? Like, obviously, a lot of things have to go right there, but. Uh, it's probably either Wah or Sackick. Can Kale McCarr take that crown if he has a relatively successful career here in Colorado from here? I think so. I think health plays a factor in it, but yeah. that's the kind of thing I never want to invite of course. or talk about too much. <laughs> but because of the long road ahead, then that he could be in an out of form, there's opportunity for another cup or two. And the opportunity Great. to be a captain. <laughs> and I think those things will make a very compelling case for Kale McCarr. Agree. Uh, yeah, I think he's got a, sh he certainly has a shot. And the, the way that he would push Waugh would be that he, I think there's a possibility that he has the kind of transformational effect on how kids growing up play defense and how defense gets coached the same way that Waugh did with goaltending. And I think that that was a large part of Waugh's legacy was not just how good he was, but the way that he redefined the position that he played. Yeah. And I think that I think that we could see an entire air twenty years from now we could see we, we could look back and that. say, I, I I mean I mean these guys are all similar ages to him though it's not like they grew up on the Kale McCarr thing, but I do think I do think that you're gonna have more forward more kids that might be put at forward playing youth hockey playing defense as a kid and getting and and not getting put into that mold by youth coaches because they see the success of a guy like McCarr they sure. see the success of offensive defensemen in this era and they say I'm going to do that I mean uh, one of one of uh Z's nephews dire yeah. jets fan of course right yeah loves the jets where's number 8 <laughs> so yep um and you should have seen his eyes light up the first time that i met him and he asked if i'd met kill McCarr, and i said yes and he was like <laughs> blew his little mind it was awesome um <laughs> but like i think i think that's coming so i i do think that McCarr has a chance to to chase down wah in terms of like that overall impact like that now being as good as sakic was i mean that's a <laughs> I, I definitely I definitely think he's got a shot there too but it, uh, both of those are tall tasks um but to answer the other part of the question uh, just how we got here basically uh I was working in hotels <laughs> and was just was just a, a hockey junkie and I started uh writing at mile high hockey about the avalanche and was part of that community and blah, 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 for a long time. Uh, and then we started uh, doing a little, we started dabbling in podcasting. BSN Denver started. Uh, I started running BSN Avalanche. And then we started our podcast network. And so I was on that. And I just haven't left. <laughs> so, 
Abs fans, abs fa- online abs fans have been stuck with me for a long time. <laughs> Hopefully for a lot longer. Uh. <laughs> anyway. Hopefully, I, I did want to jump off of Megan's topic about Kale McCarr being a potential future captain. But before we get to that, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Distillery. They have award-winning bourbon whiskey and award-winning gin now too. They they win a lot of awards for their liquor. So go check them out if you haven't. They're known as the highest distillery in the country. Obviously, they're in Colorado, up high in the mountains. You know, it's also Colorado. Maybe they're smoking some weed. I don't know. But they make great alcohol. That's the point that I'm trying to make here at Breckenridge Distillery. Their whiskey has won the best whiskey award nine years running. It's not running. They missed a couple of years in there. But nine years they've won uh, the best whiskey in the country. So you're going to want to go try it. We'll put it to you that way. Uh, it's delicious stuff if you haven't gotten in on it. Uh, you can go to BreckenridgeDistillery.com to look at all of their products and order online for delivery today. Or, of course, if you are here local, you got to go check out their distillery. You can get yourself some directly from the source with their distillery option. Uh, look, there are plenty of options near you as well. You don't have to go there. You can just go to your local liquor store and you'll be able to find Breck Distillery. They're in all 50 of the United States. And again, you can go to BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of their award-winning Breckenridge spirits. And then we're also brought to you by Kind Love, maybe the reason they are the highest distillery in the country. Uh, you can go to Kind Love and use the DNVR code to get 25% off any of their flour, gummies, uh, their turbo joints, anything they've got that's not already on sale. DNVR code gets you 25% off at Kind Love. They're the OG dispensary in Colorado. They've been around since 2010. They know what they're doing. All their products are farm to table, as it were. They grow their own stuff, and then they put it on their shelves for you. So go check them out. If you want to just stick one in a spliff or something, that's what the turbo joint is for. little toothpick that you just plug in there. I I don't need more than a puff or two from the turbo joint, and I am, I am good for the night, let me tell you. That thing is strong. <laughs> Uh, I've never been a gummies guy. AJ, I know, I know you're a fan of the gummies though. How do they work? Um, you eat them. Oh, is that complicated device you've got there? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they were great. Um, I, uh, frequently look back and have a good laugh at the, uh, couple of nights in which I burned through all of my kind love gummies. (laughs) Good times. They were fantastic. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Video, video games are a lot harder to play, but they're a lot more fun to play when you've had gummies. There you go. Go check out Kind Love today. They have stores in Cherry Creek or North Denver. Again, mention the DNVR code to get 25% off flower pre-rolls and their turbo joint line. You can also go to kindlove.com to use that code for online ordering and see their full extensive menu. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I know we've talked about this before, some here and there. Gabe Landeskog, still the captain of the team, but won't be on the ice, won't be out there in games. Is the vocal leader, when it comes to in the moment, on the ice, talking to refs, things like that, is it going to be Kale McCarr? Is it Miko Rantanen? Is it, that can't be Miko, right? But I think it could be Miko. <laughs> the way he's talking to refs last year, I don't I know. I think he could do it. All right. Is, is that, is it by committee a little bit? 
I, I think so. And I, I think this is where Kel Makar, I'd like to see him take a step forward because he has the presence in the room and he's chiming in in important moments and he has great perspective. But I think there's a part of him that is so humble that he steps aside for someone else to speak first. That's sure. just the impression that I get from him. And I'd like to see him self-initiate just speaking up completely on his own. And I think some of it is stepping on toes. Like I, I think he really undersells how much of a voice he is in the room and wants to give way to a Rantanen or a McKinnon, whatever he wants to speak up. And now there's a void with Eric Johnson gone and yeah. Landis Gog not on the ice in games with them that I'd really like to see him step into because he has all of the qualities already as a leader. And I think he just sells himself short in that arena, but he has everything it takes. All right. I echo everything that Megan said. So uh, that would certainly be a step towards trying to chase down someone like Sackick if he were to step into that role. Obviously, actually becoming captain, well, that depends on how Landis Gog's health turns out, probably. But he can grow into it. Like, for sure. That's, that's kind of where I think it would make sense for him, too, is to not immediately be asked this, but to be given more and more opportunity and responsibility. Yeah. Little by little would certainly make sense. Certainly is capable on the ice. No matter what. So this is it. I think it's an interesting conversation a little bit because this is a unbelievably talented team, even without Gabe Landeskog. You look at the top of their lineup and they, if anything, the leadership is they lead with their play as much as with their voice. So if Nathan McKinnon's going to go out there and dunk on fools, that'll work. <laughs> uh <laughs> Another one that we've had before, but I'm curious if you guys have any interesting ideas. Uh, this one's from Sean. The NHL gives you a chance to change the start and end time of the regular season. Ideally, would you when would you want the playoffs to start? I mean, I've said before that I, well, I mean, first of all, I would like to shorten the season to make this a little more palatable. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would start the season with the winter classic on January 1st every year. That would be, that would be the kickoff. And I would start it with the Stanley cup final participants from the previous season. So sure. that's, that's what I would do. Um, but I, the problem with that is I don't like how long into the summer that it runs and you, I mean, draft season would also be kind of a mess because when do you do the draft Yeah. and the rest of the hockey season, it'd be so misaligned with the rest of the hockey world that I think it has real problems. But I think I've, I've always liked that idea, but I, you know, I, that's how, that's probably how I would do it. And then you would just run, you know, a five month, six month regular season, whatever. Um, and I would have it, I would have a more standardized schedule. If like, if we, if possible, try to eliminate back-to-backs altogether, unless it's like back-to-backs, like, uh, you play two games in a row in St. Louis, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to be in a city twice during the season. You just get them out of the way right together. And that way there's none of this, like, 
the competitive advantage and disadvantages of uh, rested versus not are so pronounced. You know, you look at you look at last year, the Abs might have won the division because of that pipe bursting in Nashville. Yep. You know, because because they ended up not playing and flew home immediately while the Stars had to play that night and get, got into Denver at three o'clock in the morning. Yep. And the abs, the abs beat the stars pretty easily the next day because the stars were a tired team and, you know, and the, and the abs weren't. And you look at, you look at that and you say that the, the difference of one point being the difference in the division, you know, but pretty, that ended up being a, like a low key, really important factor. So, um, I, I would, uh, uh, I would try to get rid of back-to-backs altogether and, and make changes like that, but. I like the idea of a Jan one start with the uh, with the Winter Classic, knowing that it would make all the other things um, a lot more complicated. So, if you shortened the season to like sixty ish games, I I'd think sixty six. Sure, whatever the exact number is, I think you could start January. You could finish the cup somewhere in August. And then you have the draft immediately. If you could get the draft in before September, I think it would work. You'd still be okay because leagues don't really start up until September around the world. But I'm not. It, it would be tight, to say the least, to do with that. Certainly an 82-game season wouldn't fit. <laughs> I don't have a perfect answer. Yeah, I hard. feel like this poses a problem for the summer months that would be the time off for players and players with families and kids that are starting school might not love that their summer comes about right when their kids have to go back to school. Yep. And that could be a challenge for the players to get on board with though. I'm sure there would be some who are agreeable to it because of fewer games. I'm not sure. Yeah, also the reason it'll never happen because the the NHL yeah. will never allow this. No. Ad revenue, pretty important, it turns out. Uh, and gate revenue and all of those things. But I would also say, especially for some areas like Florida, Arizona, even in, in Nashville and Dallas, more games in the summer. That cooling bill's getting expensive. Yeah. That ice is going to be a little <laughs> dicey. Would put it that way. Uh, so... I I think it's pretty tough for the NHL to actually change when they, they play their schedule. But uh, it's not changing in the immediate. I'll put it that way. I don't think a whole lot's going to change until Bettman retires, probably, as far as mechanically how the league is does its stuff. But we can move on on a, on a very Bettman topic. If you could put an expansion team in any city... Which city would you pick? Obviously, the the ones that are always talked about are uh, Kansas City, I think, has been in the, the conversation. Obviously, Houston in Texas has been a big one in conversation. Quebec always looming, but they're never getting an expansion team. Sorry. Any particular preferences from you guys? Yes. Everywhere? Obviously. Just all of them? Obviously, Houston deserves yeah, okay. a hockey team. I mean, it's yeah. it's a city like with a rich hockey history, uh, a long running track record of support, and 
it's a giant market that you don't ever have to worry about, oh, can they make money or not? It, can they fill the building? Do we have a, you know, you're not ever going to worry about any of that. Um, you you have a huge market and you have a really passionate group of group of people that, you know, it's just a great sports town. Drop a drop a hockey team into it and just watch it watch it flourish as it has for a very long time in Houston for like fifty years. So you know, uh, yeah, I'm biased, obviously, but <laughs> bring back bring back the arrows, sons of bitches. <laughs> Megan, can you take us somewhere a little bit colder? I could be sold on Salt Lake City. Okay. I think that there is the potential for that to be such a hockey market, just knowing that there is already hockey in Utah. I think that's something that yeah. could be built upon. And I think geographically it makes a lot of sense. I don't think it would throw a wrench in travel between. If anything, I think it would help conference. travel yeah. for the central. I think so. Kind of the same with Kansas city. Uh, and one of the major problems with the current divisional alignment is the West Coast, unless you're a California team, your travel is significantly worse than a lot of the other teams in the league. Yeah. So I would not mind seeing, honestly, all three, SLC, Kansas City, and Houston. Make it happen. I'm here for it. I'm here for another California team. <laughs> I think that could really build especially if it had the amount of success as immediately as a Vegas or Seattle did, I think that could make for a fun rivalry among the other California teams. If they get better, we'll have a whole California division pretty soon. Uh, someone said Portland, that'd be cool too. more stuff on the West coast. How about that? If you want East coast, maybe like Milwaukee, I think. Someone said you could go back to Hartford. Sure. East, East Coast. Did you mention Milwaukee? I mean, it'd be in the Eastern Division, <sighs> Eastern Conference if you were in Milwaukee. So Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, not, honestly, though, like Atlanta makes I, a lot of sense if you get a decent ownership group. <laughs> Atlanta is just such a blah sports town, though. Yeah. I mean, it's no, it's it's no Miami where it's hilariously overrated. But uh, Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta has had two failures of NHL teams there, and so for me, it's like you're blacklisted. You got two <laughs> kicks. You got two kicks at this can. You're no. The answer is no. <laughs> you can always move them to Quebec City when they fail again. Okay. <laughs> Great. So you can move them again in 20 years? Like, come on. <laughs> Quebec's going to be mad at AJ for that, I think. Great, uh, but... I'm mad at Quebec. Uh, we can move on here. Uh... <clears throat> well, hang on. Let me find this question. The one that I was looking for. Uh... All right. We How's can the go... weather there? It's actually been pretty nice. Really nice right now yeah nice how's winnipeg that's fine good yeah. nice uh what are your thoughts on a new rule where in the case of a bench miner the team going on a power play gets to choose the <laughs> player who serves the penalty 
would that really matter? Would it have any impact? Uh, I mean, yeah, because if you if that happened to the Avs, you would pick Devon Taves, right? Him or, I mean, yeah, it really like, just would be him at this point. Like, I'm assuming that you can't pick the goalie. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Like, we're, we're throwing the back of goalie in cold. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm... I think I I guess I just don't understand the point. Like it, it strikes me as funny because I feel like you would want to implement something like that for a more egregious, intentional penalty, whereas sometimes those are silly little mistakes, and that feels like it would be penalized more than things infractions in game that are like actually really bad. Yeah, I, I I just don't think it makes that much of a difference even if you're putting Devon Taves in the box for those like teams kill penalties with one of their penalty killers in the box all the time it just yeah. doesn't matter that much the vast majority of the time in fact yeah yes. so like a bad PK is at 77% you know like yep. it's like it yeah just... no I mean I I <laughs> I I feel like this is just getting really cute for the sake of getting really cute with the rules. Yeah. Or are you just making it overly complicated? Bigger fish to uh, fry there, maybe. Yeah. Uh, two questions here. First, what is the ideal end to this offseason to fill the hole still left on the Avalanche roster? We've talked a lot about the Avs probably looking at a PTO or a potential late season cheap signing. AJ, I know you've uh, you've been on the defenseman train, an Ethan Bear type or something like that. But yeah, I mean Caleb Jones would be, I think, sure. just a a great a great fit. You know, um, I just Makes that guy's sense. Just, just kind of a perfect fit for what you're after and uh, price range and blah 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 blah. Uh, you know, a guy like Tatar would also be a really nice. Uh, late summer cheap veteran scoring forward yeah yeah although you see matt dumbo get four million dollar yeah. yeah you know tarasenko gets five and you're just kind of like what are we doing here like <laughs> guys uh, i guess that's done on july 5th <laughs> well that's that's nine million more dollars out of the pool for teams to spend so it's um, true you know we're, we're inching closer to teams having to 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 give out the one the one million dollar deal Megan, is this the Dan Heinen podcast now? <laughs> is it the Danton Heinen podcast? It'd <laughs> be fun too. I, I'm curious to see if there is a player in a position similar to Evan Rodriguez. Sure. It could be Tomash Tatar territory like AJ's describing. That would be a step above a Danton Heinen. So before I, I enter the Danton Heinen conversation, I want to see that option fully realized. Okay. And then I also still think even with a late season ad on the cheap i still think a pto is also an option i think both of those things should happen um unless you know we get closer to the start of camp and there just aren't a lot of great options out there or players are being really firm in what they're asking for then i'd start asking about danton heinen <laughs> um that isn't to insult danton heinen it's just i still think that there's a market of players out there that are still available that i'm surprised to see are still available that i'd be curious about first Kill two birds with one stone. Give Danton Heinen a, a PTO. PTO. Thank you. Problem solved. 
which I I'm trying to remember the last year the Evs haven't given at least one PTO, and I don't. It's been a long time. They usually it's get like out one. The COVID year where there was no training camp. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah, and it's like that's that's the only time in the last like five or six years that they have not. I mean, they just mm. their their PTOs regularly don't work out. Uh, you know, obviously there's a list of guys like Curtis Glencross, Jared Cowan, Artemis Anisimov. Yeah, who who was it that like didn't even pass their physical? Was he? Oh my god, I'm totally drawing a blank. He played in Carolina for a long time. Tulusti? Yeah, that was it. Yuri Tulusti. Yep. So He's a guy that we were all excited about because it was like, hey, that's a good player. Like, yep. all right, cool. And then doesn't pass his physical. And then I'll never it's... forget the way Jared Bednar like <laughs> talked about him in that presser where he was just like, Well, he didn't pass his physical, so you know. <laughs> it was like, what, did you guys murder him? Like, is his body out back? What happened? <laughs> so weird. Uh, and then the other question here, I don't really have a good answer for you on this one, but how do you apply to be on the DNVR sports shows? Do you have to intern or is there a place to apply? Uh, uh, so we'll post a job listing and then people can apply to it from there and then we'll go through the candidates and we'll reach out. We'll talk and we'll do whatever. And I wouldn't be incredibly surprised if something like that happens in the next week or two. Um, so, you know, if anybody was interested, I mean, we would all like tweet that out and be like, Hey, look, yeah. if you want to join the team. Rah, rah, rah. You know, so that would be probably the way to go about it. There is a physical that you have to complete to join DNVR. It's not what you think, though. It requires at least one cartwheel, and I just want to let you all know that. If you don't pass, you can find your corpse out back of the bar. No. Yeah. Megan was really worried about her cartwheel. <laughs> we, like, we made her do it. We made her do it in the bar during college football. So. <laughs> Uh, okay, on that note, we are brought to you by the folks over at Volo Sports. You can get your action on with Volo. If you're looking for social sports league, they're the biggest social sports company in the country. Best part is you play so kids can play free. A lot of the proceeds go towards kids' camps and things like that so they can play sports just like you do with your friends at Volo. I think the, the kickball league is still going, but it should be winding down pretty soon here as we're we're getting into the fall leagues at this point with volo obviously they have tons of different sports that you can get yourself into pretty much everything under the sun if you want to jump in on it uh you can get the volo pass which is a monthly membership program that gives unlimited access to all of their events be it sports social nights or anything else you get unlimited pickup and drop-ins and tournaments it's just 20 bucks a month or you can get the beta version for the first three months where it's just 10 bucks a month they're all over the city including lodo rhino uptown city park the highland sloan's lake cherry creek du inglewood arvada aurora northfield and much much more than that Get in on the fall leagues now. You can use the DNVR10 code to get $10 off whatever you sign up for, whether it be a league or the Volo Pass or whatever, at volosports.com slash Denver today. So jump in, come have some fun playing sports with all of us. And we're also brought to you by the fantastic Shady Rays, which you can put on. Make sure you're wearing them when you go out and play Volo Sports. 
either that or your raincoat. It's one or the other in, in Denver these days. Maybe both. Honestly, most days, it's probably both. Uh, go to ShadyRays.com today to get your sunglasses. You can get one pair and then you get a second pair. You get 50% off your order when you use code DNVR at checkout. Uh, highly recommend these guys. They've had over 250,000 people giving them five stars. Tons of different designs, styles, all that good stuff. Uh, and you can even get your 30-day guarantee where if you don't like them, you break them or you lose them in the first 30 days, send them back or let them know you lost them and they will replace them completely for free. So again, check them out at ShadyRays.com. Use the DNVR code. Or if you're local, they have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall. You can check them out there. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Going through listener questions. Uh, next up, we have uh, who is your favorite Autobot? I like that you both looked at me. Uh, we figured you. I figured you would have an answer ready for that one. No, you're not prepared. Uh, trans- tra- I mean, Transformers weren't really. Um, if if you got into Transformers, you were more of a Decepticon fan. It's fair. Uh, I see. I was never really into Transformers as a kid. The new movies, like, I really like Bumblebee from the first movie. And then the movies got old pretty fast, honestly. But I guess I'll say Bumblebee. Big Megatron fan. That was actually a nickname growing up. Um, Perfect. Slash Megazord (laughs) from Power Rangers. uh, Way better than Transformers, all right. (laughs) Yeah, my siblings struggled with my name for some reason. So they actually (laughs) called me, like, Megazord, and it got shortened to Megazoo, which eventually just got shortened to Zoo. So my family still calls me Zoo, and it's a really difficult nickname to explain. <laughs> All right. We're going to start calling you Zoo on the show. Zoo. <laughs> uh, next question, as we keep moving on here. How <laughs> how have your yes. opinions on the hockey metagame shifted since you started covering the league? I know that's a weird question, but I would just say, how have your opinions about hockey shifted since you started professionally covering the league? Um, I have a lot more respect for the old school mentality of thought than when I first started. And I thought, this is stupid. And why do people believe this? And then you see up close why some of those things have been like a part of team building and the school of thought, you know, conventional wisdom for a really long time in the league. Um, there, there are some of things that there's, there's some of that stuff that I, I used to kind of just dismiss out of hand and being exposed to it, seeing it up close and, and kind of seeing how, you know, and I think being in Colorado has helped um, because we got to watch a team that had a very old school approach to everything. Yeah. Really transform itself and blend in, uh, find a, find a really nice mixture. Um, and this, this had a lot to do, I think with McFarland coming in, uh, when they hired him out of Columbus, but, um, mixing some of that old school stuff with, uh, the use of analytics and the modeling that they work on. And, um, you know, some of the cutting edge stuff that the avalanche are actually at the forefront of in, in the NHL. So I think that that's um, seeing 
seeing an organization do that i have i have a lot more respect for that part of it um and that was maybe the thing that surprised me the most was um, that that and i would also say talking to coaches has been really interesting um and getting to know some you know just getting to know them a little bit and having conversations with them about the game uh off the record honest conversations uh about things uh where it's not you know uh, it's not somebody giving me a bunch of cliched bullshit and it's um you know a bunch of uh, a bunch of really interesting insights you get an idea for even coaches that you don't think are very good oh my god do they notice a lot of stuff like do they ever pick up on tiny details do they ever retain so much information uh that it it kind of blows you away when you're just like god there there are really high levels to this and again even even for guys that i don't think are very good coaches um just having some conversations with them over the years where you're just like jesus christ this is like you know, like when we talk about like a, a guy like Curtis McDermott, who may not be a very good NHL player, but in terms of hockey players, in like in res- the, like the top one percent, the yeah. rest of the world, yeah, you're like this guy is insanely good. He's just not good relative to the absolute best of the best in this field. And having conversations with coaches like that, I think, was very illuminating for me. For sure. Um. Uh... We can move on to the next one. Anything else to add? It's similar on the coaching side of things. I'm really fortunate that my exposure to hockey started as a student at DU. One of my first jobs in hockey was under a Montgomery era of hockey. And so the coaches I've gotten to see a little bit up close have been Monty and then immediate jump to Bednar and Cronin. And obviously more hands-on working with Cronin and Bednar than ever with Monty, but getting to see what AJ is describing and hear from these coaches. And from my perspective, being embraced by that side of hockey and respected and treated as an equal, I'm embarrassed to admit that was something that came as a bit of a surprise, but the way in which people who work in hockey, players, staff, coaching personnel have treated me as an equal has been such an encouraging part of doing this job and being involved with the sport in this way that has made me really hopeful about the direction that it's going. And it's interesting to see the way though, the old school mindset that AJ also describes isn't absent from today's game. It's still interwoven in there, but there are aspects of it that have been extremely welcoming to, to more people, people like me who feel like an unconventional hockey person being accepted in that space has come as a, a pleasant surprise. I especially think um, just given our backgrounds, the three of us, um, you know, and certainly Megan, you and I spending a lot more time at the actual rink and, and in the locker room and stuff, that imposter syndrome is uh, it's very, so real. very real. It's so real. And it is, it is a big thing to contend with um, on a, on a, like the day to day of this stuff. And I think that that acceptance and that, you know, finding your place in that world is is a really interesting personal journey that looks and feels different for all of us. But you kind of hope to end up at the same place on the other side where you're like, 
I belong here. I'm making cool content. We have a cool, we have a cool community. People accept me. Waking up and going to work every day is not a miserable experience. This actually kind of rules. And that I think is also um, an interesting part of like just the like the personal side of it, the personal journey that we all have had to go through uh, and are still going through. I mean, you never have to stop proving yourself in the world. So it's definitely an interesting, um, just just an interesting world to live in. All right. Next question. Who is one player that gets labeled a disappointment you think would have a good career if they were in a different, different situation? Uh, I'll go first since I've been looking at this question. <laughs> I would say Mikhail Gregorenko, I think, is a big one for me. First of all, Buffalo didn't know what they were doing with him. They rushed him to the league. They didn't really understand how to get the most out of him for the early parts of his career. Uh, obviously, he comes to Colorado eventually, and the talent level there is obvious. The guy is fully capable of being an NHL player. Someone needed to figure out how to get a little bit more work ethic out of him, or he needed to find a coach that was a little bit more lenient on something like that. Bednar was just not tolerant of that style of player. The it probably was a little bit lazy at times, but a lot more intelligent and, and played in a certain way that isn't full bore Logan O'Connor crash into everything all the time. And so it didn't really work out in Colorado for him. Was it, I think he tried to come back for one year with Columbus and it just didn't work at all. Um, I'm not saying there was a ton of ways that it was going to work out for Gregorenko, but I think if he found the right situation, that dude easily could have become a, a quality middle six NHL player. And it just never really worked out for him. So similar, similar style of answer. Uh, but I would also, um, I would say Cam and F. Sure. Um, you know, coming in the trade, the abs had a lot of runway uh, to let him figure it out in the NHL. Um, his like very brief AHL stints as a member of the Avs organization, he was really, really good. Uh, and, and then he would get to the, you know, he got to the NHL and it was like, we're going to see how this goes. Broken and bone. And then, yeah, he gets, he, he, he suffers two serious injuries. And the, during the time from, uh, when, when, during that window, when he was recovering from those injuries, the Avs got good. And they ran out of the time that his development time for him to like be a dude. Uh, and I think that that just, that hurt him so much because he was in a great situation on a bad team that was just trying to give ice time to young players to find him. And uh, the injuries took that opportunity from him because by the time he got back, the abs had a different mindset, their whole organizational philosophy um, it was no longer, hey, rebuild and, and figure it out. It was, we're pretty good. We're here now, and we're just trying to get a lot better. Uh, and it was uh, a focus, uh, an increased focus on proven talent and not so much uh, young guys still trying to figure it out. I'm going to go in an also similar direction and pick Tyson Jost. If he had played for a different organization yep. after the 48-point season, I don't think he would have been compelled to make the leap to the pros after his freshman year and could have spent a little bit more time in college, physically matured, and had maybe a little bit less expectation to, yeah. at the pro level, 
as a 10th overall pick, maybe somewhere else Mm -hmm. that could have been realized. I think the way in which he's transformed his game over time, because it was required of him, has allowed him to carve out an NHL role for himself. But I do think with the skill upside that was teased at the college level, there was possibly more to give if he wasn't asked to rush over to the pros and didn't make that decision himself. Yeah, I, I definitely think in the right role or organization, Jost's career could have been more successful than it is for sure. Yeah. Jost is kind of similar to Kamenev in that as it was just Jost was like on the ice as the transformation was happening for the Avs. Yeah. Because like he when they signed him, you know, it was like he got top six minutes. You know, it, those last couple of games, it was like, hey, we want to we're going to throw the kid in. Let's see what he does. And he looked pretty good. And then, you know, the Avs went out and got some guys. And then it was, you know, the. Tyson Jost problem turned into that Alex Newhook problem, which has turned into now we're just not trying to do this anymore. <laughs> we're not trying to develop young guys into these into these roles at the NHL. We're just gonna go get Ross Colton and figure it out. <laughs> like we're this is stupid. We suck at this. We're just gonna go get guys. Uh next question. Megan and I already answered this on a show a while back, so this one's to you, AJ. Rate the top five national teams today. The international teams, like the yeah, like the teams that will be at oh. the Olympics slash World Cup slash whatever. Can I bring Canada into three teams? No, you get Canada is number one, and then you have to go from there. Damn it. <laughs> um. Okay, so I would say Canada, the U.S., Sweden. Wow, maybe hating on maybe. Finland. Then maybe Russia. Then then I I'm kind of in a toss up between Russia and Finland. No way. Fin- I have Finland at two. Which I just don't think the. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the I don't think the Finnish defense is deep enough. I I um, think that's a, their weakness for sure. And that's uh, that's the same place where I have the uh, Russian weakness is. Uh, yeah. The defensive depth, the defensive depth to me is a, is my concern. Um, but I, I like, I think I like pick a Russian goalie, pick like a Russian sure. because Vasilevsky, Shesterkin and Sorokin, I would take hard all of to them miss over. there for sure. Yeah. yeah. I take all of them over UC Soros. Um, so I'm kind of at a toss up between Russia and Finland. I, we'll say Finland, Russia. Cosmico. <laughs> Cosmico. <laughs> Count it. Do you think Lekkonen is on the Finnish team? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's not. Uh, I don't know if it'd be a, like a big role, but yeah, I think he's on that team. I agree. Now, I think USA didn't get enough credit on the show when we spoke about it last. Who do you think are some of the, the top talents that make the USA team worth noting? Oh, my gosh. I think it's a, (laughs) I mean, I think it's a super loaded team. Like it's a, it's a, you could just call it an all-star team and we'd be fine, you know? Um, Cause uh, yeah, you have, you have Austin Matthews and Jack Hughes down the middle. Um, You've got guys like Matt Kachuk and Clayton Keller. uh, Alex, Alex to bring Jack Eichel. Yeah. On, on your wings. Like you're, you have Connor Hellebuck as your starting goaltender. 
Um, I worry about the defensive depth a little bit. Not yeah, the level I mean, of I, like Finland necessarily, but yeah, I would have to actually go and like look at a list because off the top of my head, I'm like Zach Wierenski and and Seth Jones, and I'm like, I know that it's better than that. Um, but yeah, have, Char- I think Charlie McAvoy would be on there. Yeah, Adam, I, Adam Fox would be on there. Like, I'm I don't have an issue with the defensive depth. I just think it won't be as good as what Canada has I, because I, that's unfair i worry about their defense in actually playing defense mcavoy obviously oh. great there but the rest of those guys it's like oh they're kind of offensive d um yeah i mean i i yeah i don't know man i think i would i think that defense is probably going to be better than you're giving it credit for maybe but yeah i think i think right now uh, just in just in terms of uh, like right now, I I would say I I think USA is a pretty easy two. I don't agree, but that's fine. I mean, they have they have their forwards are better than Finland's, and I think their defense is better and deeper. And their gold and Connor Hellebuck, I would also take over UC Soros. So for me, I'm looking at it saying, I where am I? Where am I taking Finland here? And then everything that everything that's that Finland does, Sweden does, I think just a little bit better and deeper. I I I can see the argument for USA. I don't think Sweden is high end enough. But okay. Anyway, I think you're on drugs. We don't we don't have time to really get into this conversation as we have gone for over an hour. So we do have to wrap this show up. Uh, We do appreciate everyone who sent in questions. I know we couldn't get to them all, but thank you to everybody. Uh, We will be back tomorrow, probably talking about Carlson and Dumba's contract. Well, Carlson's trade, Dumba's contract. Uh, So be sure to tune in 1045. Mountain time, same thing. Get used to it because that's what we're doing for the next month. Any final thoughts from you two before we get out of here? No? No? All right. We're going to wrap it up. We appreciate all of y'all, and we will talk to you tomorrow.